Welcome to podcast 2187. Enjoy the show. And don't forget to submit your blaster for inspection. Welcome to podcast 2187. And tonight we've got some awesomeness, as we promised last week. Not only because Mark and I are both here, but because we're talking about part of the essence of what makes Star Wars as awesome as it is and what has given the fingerprint and identity to Star Wars since the very beginning, which is what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about the music of, for now, Star Wars A New Hope, originally just known as Star Wars. And let's head off this episode, or hit off, that's not right. Let's start off this episode with a great, fantastic note, which is me going, Mark, how are you? Did you want to do that over? Why? Hit, hit off? Hey, you know, it. I, full disclosure, I'm a little bit tired, so I might not make sense at every moment. That's but fine. Just so you know, be prepared. We we might be. Uh, uh, I don't think. I don't think we're 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 a good podcast for the layman listeners when it comes to listening to music. When t- yeah. talking about music, because because here's the other thing. I was uh, I was listening to some uh, music podcasts, and obviously there's the really good ones, mm-hmm. uh, the ones that you know, like score all- tracks go on. Yes, like score tracks. <laughs> um, but there's others to where, you know, the commentators are talking about, you know, what what soundtracks they listen to, and and they're not any better or worse than we are. <laughs> and, and they're well known. It's like cool. Then I feel in good company. Well, because honestly, there's I'm not the most technically trained on this kind of thing. I could a little bit go into various types of like the of terminology. So whether that's like the uh, crescendos and, and the types of flats and, and sharps or whatever, we can go into that, but I feel like that's not really relatable to the average Star Wars fan who just wants to know or talk or listen more about the music. So I, I just feel like if you want that, that is out there. You can listen to those shows that have talked about Star Wars with that kind of information. But I don't know. I, I, I just feel like the, the more realistic conversation to have about why we love it and why it's so important and what's so great about it, we don't need to get that technical. We can just talk about what it, what it is. Yep, I agree. So on that note, I guess we can just go ahead and start with the very first thing that you hear in the first Star Wars movie is a John Williams note. So it literally sets the tone in every possible way for this entire franchise here on out. So the opening... Th- uh, theme, the, the main theme for Star Wars, of course, is debatably the most iconic music in film history. And it's just cool because it almost didn't sound quite the way it does because they had multiple different takes of it. And of course, it starts with this big kind of blast of sound. But in one of, or some of the other takes that they did originally, it, it was kind of cool. It kind of started on, on an um, incline. Where the music are you kind of built up to it? Are you able to to play like just a snippet of one of those takes right now? I should be able to. I think I put it in a previous episode at some point, so I, I, I should be able to still pull it to put in here. That's that. That's one of the the hidden gems, uh, so to speak. On unfortunately, it's now out of print. But when the special editions were re released in, so so the, obviously we're talking about. Obviously, we're talking about John Williams' score for for Star Wars, but one of the things that also needs to be addressed, I'm not sure uh, before or after, but it needs to be addressed pretty quickly in the beginning, is the releases that it has had on 
media. Mm -hmm. Basically what you got, the very first release of, of the Williams, you know, soundtrack or score to Star Wars was on uh, vinyl. Obviously, it, it was two LPs. And what Williams did was he took bits of this cue and that cue, and he really created a, a listening, the best possible listening experience to the score right. uh, that he felt. And, and Williams is great at that, in, in creating a, a you know, uh, the music for, for your home, you know, the music for, like, the best, greatest hits of, of the album. Or like a concert and, experience. Exactly, exactly. And as soundtracks have gotten and moved farther along, you know, right now the real big thing is obviously uh, complete soundtracks in chronological order with alternate cues and every missing cue, and and, and that's great. That's awesome. But there, that there's album's... an art that's been lost with the way it's compiled into an album. It re it really has, and you know, like I've there are I say this there are, <laughs> there are complete editions of a lot of different soundtracks out there floating you know around uh, not every soundtrack but many of them and so at the end of the day you hear it you hear the complete cues for everything and while it's fantastic you find yourself listening to the album you know because the album best mm -hmm. represents exactly it best represents at times the artist uh, or or can composer's vision for for the movie. Um, take right. for example, I, and a lot of people don't like Hans Zimmer, but there are wow, it was uh, Batman Begins, right? Mm -hmm. So many tracks, like you know, fifty, sixty tracks, uh, complete, complete, complete everything. And I listened to it, and it's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. You know, I don't need right. six, I don't need sixty tracks of of Batman Begins by Zimmer. I like the album. Mm -hmm. and, well, and so, go, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say that makes sense because when a, a score is written for a film, it is written for a film. So if you are listening to it as intended to go along with visuals that you don't have you are getting a good huge portion of the experience, but the experience that's intended for a viewer. If you're listening to it as arranged for the ear, it's going to be a little different experience because it's more about the music directly as opposed to the music in context with the visual. For sure. And, and especially one of the things, like especially with a lot of the new, the new music, um, take, for example, um, Spider-Verse, right? Uh, Spider-Man yeah. into the Spider-Verse. Uh, Pemberton's score is really good the album though to me leaves a little bit to, to be desired because a lot of the tracks are small they're short they're a minute and a half they're mm -hmm. per minute and while that's fantastic and that's the type of things that you'll actually find on you know complete soundtracks mm -hmm. i like for me the, the sweet spots two and a half three and a half minutes sweet spots well yeah that's just what the sweet spot is just just the the nice that's that's a nice amount of time for a good representation of you know a musical cue. So you like a nice sweet? A nice what? We're talking sweet. Oh, I get it. Yes, the, the sweet <laughs> spot. Well, because most sweets are about three and a half minutes, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I, I long... mean, yeah, but I, I say at least around there. Yeah. So so let me finish real quick so Tim can get back on track. I apologize. So, <laughs> so the first release was that. Uh, second release after that was, I think it was from Arista Records. It was after uh, the first three films, uh, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. They released this sort of box set. It's amazing. I'll, I'll, 
I'll tweet a picture uh, out of it uh, that I have. It's actually sitting over there in my cabinet. Um, <laughs> and so it had a little bit expanded of Star Wars, expanded for Empire, expanded for um, for Jedi. And then it also had unreleased takes and unreleased music. And it's a really nice box set, had liner notes, nice thick book. It was fantastic. And that was mm-hmm. pretty much it. Until I think it was what ninety seven. Special would, editions. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. So they pretty much released for the most part complete soundtracks. It wasn't ninety three, right? Mm, I don't think so. I thought it was ninety seven, like a few years, like two years or so before. Yeah, like I think for some reason ninety three stuck in my head, but I do think you're right. I could be way wrong, but you never know. We'll go with um, that. I think you're right. <laughs> so they they had. Um, Special edition soundtracks, those got more and more complete. There's still some stuff missing here and there, um, but some of the things that they included, especially on the Star Wars A New Hope special edition soundtrack, is they included uh, alternate takes for the main title. Mm -hmm. And then I think on that one, they also included alternate takes for the Binary Sunset. um, And then maybe music for the Dianoga. Uh, the the trash compactor scene. That, that that sounds right. Yeah, that wasn't there before. So I think I think those are those were the first one, like the first time we ever heard any alternate. Yeah. Well, and, and it's part of what's cool about it too is that you can hear the uh, the production side of it while it's going on because it's just like a raw recording of. The, the alternate takes so you hear people you know like uh was it take 19 or something like that between right, right. and it's just neat because it gives you that that studio feel almost like a behind the scenes element yeah it, it it's definitely and, and that's one of the things i think uh you know especially when i was listening to um you know the score for star wars again um with this recording with the very first recording it sounds it's very clean it's very crisp um it may be a little bit high uh for some people on i don't know maybe sounds tinny a little bit mm-hmm. not not to me but at the same time it also it's kind of raw you can hear people shuffling you can hear right you know, the creaking of uh of uh you know uh chairs um f- for the orchestra you can hear people breathing um you know, so I don't know how they set that up because there's certain ways to set up microphones and, and orchestras to get different types of you know, I, I think there's sayings like it was a hot recording, depending on where the microphones are or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way they set it up was definitely, uh, it, it, it sounds like you're almost at a concert, you know, or that you're there on the sound stage, you know, sitting in a corner just listening to them play. Almost like you're George Lucas listening to this for the first time and getting, oh, absolutely. Your, yeah, get, getting your impressions of, of what this is going to be like. And what I just kind of want to add on to where you're talking about the the releases, there have been numerous forms. The most, as far as I'm aware, the most recent release of the soundtracks uh, was done, I don't know, I guess like a year ago or so. The ones that came out on May 4th, the remastered versions that were like remastered based off of the original uh, tape. Have, have you listened to those? I, I think you have listened to some of them, but have you like gotten them or anything? No, um... At this point, I'm waiting for. Uh, it seems very inevitable that the 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 real ones coming. You know, the, <laughs> uh, 
there, you know, this was, I don't know, like they, they touted as, you know, so many Hertz or megahertz or whatever. And, and this is like, you know, the highest quality, but the thing is, it's right. still just the albums. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it is a redo of, like you said, the, the concert type versions of the album. Yeah. And, and the odd thing especially is that, uh, with the original trilogy, they're, only putting out the albums right now the the special edition ones that we're talking about with the with the you know the alternate takes and, and all that those are out of print mm-hmm. you can't buy them from amazon um i mean you can buy the physical copy but you can't buy a digital copy if you have spotify or apple music or anything like that you can't uh stream it you can't listen to it it's just as far as they're concerned it doesn't exist anymore and, and what does exist, for example, uh, the, for Return of the Jedi is Lopty Neck. That's still a thing mm-hmm. because that's the one that they're remastering. That's what they're re- they're re-releasing. So, kind of almost goes at odds with what uh, the movies are doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you don't get the you don't get that crazy awesome. Uh, uh, very what is it? Is it nineties? The Ewok celebration, yeah. man. When 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 they did the the new one with the with the pan flutes or whatever, and and very trippy, you know, new age music in a sense. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I'm not a fan of it. I am. Over over, you know, ooh la la, all that. It's yeah. uh, okay. So I know this is a conversation people have, and they have their opinions on it. Um, my opinion is that it is more suited to the end of the trilogy that we have. You know, the the original Ewok Celebration music works for an Ewok Celebration. If you're going to end the Star Wars trilogy, which at that point, it, I mean, there were only three movies to the name Star Wars, and that was it. Yeah, so, so it if, did end the trilogy. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you're going to end it, it needs, like, you just beat this galactic empire against all odds over a couple of years. And it was super hard. I'm not going to go, okay, yeah, let's celebrate. Like there's more to it than that. There needs to be more gravity to the celebration still, but there's more weight to what you just did than yippee. Why? Because this is the first time the galaxy can breathe with freedom. (laughs) Like it's just, there's more to it. The sacrifice, like look about Rogue One. Like this is the end of what the sacrifices of Rogue One went through. We're and we're going to end by saying yippee. We're not talking about Rogue One. We're talking about. But it's a war. It's an intergalactic war. Even though we didn't know that storyline yet, it's still the type of thing that was happening. You tell me celebrate the love. I'm saying we need to have more gravity to a celebration it, it, beyond. Ooh, yay, yippee, we won. Congratulations. That's not what it is. Celebrate the love is is. You know, it's the precursor for for what Rose Tico was saying. Uh, well, that that's really going deep there now. The Ewoks were all about you know saving the ones you love, and they're celebrating it. They can sing a more appropriate melody to it then. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I don't have anything. I don't have anything against the original version. It's just my preference is it, it makes more sense to the story for me the second time and if i if i heard correctly i think uh john williams felt kind of similarly where he felt the the redo was more appropriate maybe I'm, it doesn't i'm, I'm doesn't not bringing feel that like in williams it doesn't feel like williams yeah to me though. I, I do get that I, I do see that yeah um it, it feels it feels like um so when but he, neither did you have though 
But I don't think he even did Yub Nub, did he? I, uh, his son wrote the li- no, it was Laptinek. Which one did he write the lyrics for? Was it that or Laptinek? I don't remember. La- well, Laptinek, there's a whole single uh, that his son performed, I think, in English with some of the band members from Toto, maybe. Okay. Because I, I thought he wrote the lyrics for one of them. No. He, he did. He did. I just don't know if it's, I don't know if it's Celebrate the Love. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, we are kind of getting, we're supposed to be talking about A New Hope here anyway. <laughs> Um, but they do have the re-releases as the newest version of this, and I do have them, and they may be coming out with something better, I don't know, but I do still recommend them as a listening experience, especially if you don't have the soundtrack yet, and if you're looking to get it, I definitely recommend getting that, because it is clearer. It it does sound like a higher quality, and there are a couple pieces here and there where just the emphasis of certain instruments is much more prominent than in the original version, and it, it just seems more genuine to the intent of the composition well so, and, and and honestly like you're like you're saying is that i think you know there, there's a decent amount of fans who've grown up with you know the the special edition soundtracks you know that's yeah 30 years ago was that 30 years ago 20 years ago i don't know anyways yeah 20 yeah long time ago if it was 97 then 22 yeah whichever long time ago <laughs> um so so essentially you a lot of people haven't heard the original trilogy uh, LPs or how it was on a cassette player, and I'm not saying go listen to it on a cassette or go listen to it on a DV, uh, on a on a CD or whatnot, but you probably haven't heard the way these albums are put together or the cuts that they made or how they they yeah. So it's definitely worth picking up. I wouldn't necessarily pick up you know the Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones or you know Revenge of the Sith, but but you probably don't have these versions you know the the lp versions of of the original trilogy it's and it's worth picking up especially uh the original star wars a new hope that one's that one's phenomenal and kind of to go back to talking about a new hope the the other thing i wanted to mention before we get into specifics about the music is the context of and kind of the therefore the impact of this soundtrack so John uh, John Williams George Lucas was kind of uh, not not a re- rebellious, but it was different to get this type of soundtrack that he got being so heavily orchestral for a movie. Because at that point, the soundtracks and movies were steering farther and farther away from the orchestra. Having said that, of course, you do have John Williams coming onto the scene with Steven Spielberg and Jaws, and kind of making a bit of a splash. See what I did there uh, with orchestral music back into movies and, and giving a more prominent role. He also did the uh, Fiddler on the Roof adaptation for film and, and so on. But when Star Wars came around, even Jaws, like like with the suspense and everything it had, it just still did not have that big, huge sound that made such an impact. Again, it was the fingerprint of the movie before you saw any footage because you see the logo and you're already drawn in because of the music. So it's that relevant. And so he brought in uh, Steven Spielberg. His friend was like, Hey, you should use John Williams. And John Williams was like, Hey, I'd love to use the LSO. And they made it work to do that. And now you have this, this sound that again, is of course iconic. It also changed the way that film music went after that. Of course, catapulted John Williams to beyond legendary status. Even with Jaws, he was doing pretty well. And then this and everything that, to follow it. Anyway, th- this is just kind of the context. It wasn't just another score to come out that was actually pretty impressive. It 
it was original and it changed the course of film music at that point. And it has inspired pretty much every modern day film composer that we have to be a film composer. And John Williams overall too, but. Well, especially for a sci-fi film. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, the stuff that, the stuff that you did have, I, I mean, uh, context obviously, but, but the previous, the previous sci-fi film before this was probably, well, God, what was it? I don't think it was Planet of the Apes. It, it was 2001 maybe. And even then those were still like sixties. Yeah. So, both of those had, you know, one had Goldsmith score, one had a Jerry Goldsmith score, and the other had, uh, you know, basically selections from classical music. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, by the time, by the time the one of the last Planet of the Apes movie starts showing up, it's a little bit more funky, so to speak. Yeah, it, well, it's, and even like, know, like Star Trek in, in the sixties as a show, like the Gene Roddenberry theme, or because. Uh, title theme or whatever it's great of course but you can tell it's designed to sound kind of sci-fi like with like the note progression yeah but the actual music itself is, a, is something else it, it is it, but, but like like i said just the, the tv series that was identified by that theme entirely different from the theme of star wars which was inspired by king's row are you gonna play king's row for people should i eh, just play the beginning I mean, I guess I can. <laughs> Wait, that's a, that's a whole other topic to talk about inspiration. <laughs> yeah, let, let me. I'll just put it this way because if I do put it in here, it's relevant. I, I uh, one time I, I was talking to a composer and he had told me that the number one thing about composing today is to not be afraid of sounding too much like something else because if you do that, you won't come up with anything new because it's pretty much already been done. So you need to come up with music that is fresh out of your mind and your style and adapt it to whatever type of work you're supposed to be doing and trust that it will stand on its own. I think it will. I, I think for most people, like you, you take a Giacchino and, and Giacchino is really good at, he's really good at taking other people's styles, you know, and yeah. making them, and making them his own. Right. And, and the thing at the end of the day, there still is a distinct Giacchino sound. Like, like when when there's sure. new music, I I can hear it. Even though he may be doing like with the latest, uh, uh, you know, Jurassic World. I think it was more of a riff on on, you know, Herman and and, and sort of old, uh, you know, monster type movies. Right. Uh, uh, you, you mean a Fallen Kingdom? Yes, Fallen Kingdom. You you can still you can still hear, you know, Giacchino in there. Right. But, and well, because it's their identity that they're inserted. Like you can tell by listening to a score who did it half the time if you're familiar enough. Like James Horner, he's got a sound. I'm not even talking about the danger motif. He just he has a sound. Alan Silvestri has a sound. John Williams, they all have their identities that they put into their work. Right, and and even and even if you think it sounds like you know back to what Tim was talking about, even if you think it sounds like some other composer, you still your your music will come through your identity will yeah. come through even even if you're you know even if you're worried about sounding like somebody else you know your style will still come through and, and that's a part of what's so unique to each composer and, and part of why you're even hired because composers and we're still getting off track here which is unique to us but hey it's still music 
composers get hired most of the time as like a team with the director who's doing it. Like there are duos. For example, uh, James Cameron and uh, James Horner. Great pairing. Of course, Steven Spielberg and John Williams, obviously. And uh, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. You know, like there, there are lots of, of pairs. Even uh, Robert Zemeckis and Al Silvestri have had some decent success together, I'd say. So you're hiring the composer not just for their talent and what they can do, but because you know that that is the sound you want. You want them to provide their influence on your film. And that's part of what was so great about John Williams coming into Star Wars with George Lucas. This was their first time, you know, working together like this. And uh, Steven Spielberg being pretty much the only friend George Lucas had who believed in this project was like, here, this is a great composer. You should use him for this. So obviously it turned out pretty well. Do you think, do you think Steven Spielberg really believed in uh, Star Wars or, or he was just being a good friend? I, no, I really think he did because, uh, First off, I think Stephen King and other people thought they were being good friends by trying to save George Lucas's career by, like, you know, don't do this. You'll, you'll ruin your name if you do this project. Um, I think they thought they were being good friends for that. But Steven Spielberg, I mean, he's a, a visionary for filmmaking. And he's able to pull things off that shouldn't be that good sometimes. And they're, they're great. Like, in theory... If other people made a movie about uh, resurrecting dinosaurs and then they wreak havoc, I mean, you're going to win a little bit because you have dinosaurs. But if you don't pull it off right, if you don't pull the dinosaurs off right, if you don't make the story behind it, it's not going to be as successful as Jurassic Park is. Jaws, you know, it's a movie about a big shark eating people. Okay, what separates that from like a bad B-movie on Sci-Fi Channel versus what it is right now is... Everything else surrounding it, the way that the characters are written and the way that they interact, and it's it's such a great movie because it's more than what it's supposed to be. So he's a visionary. He knows what he's doing. He gets stories and how to entertain audiences. So I think he saw in this those qualities and things that make Star Wars so great, and its originality and it's just good storytelling that it has, and he supports it. If he was just trying to be a good friend and not actually believe in it, he wouldn't have made that bet with George Lucas about the close encounters and all that that he did. Think so? Well, I mean, I, I, I doubt it. Sure. I don't know him personally, but... Could just be a friendly wager. I mean, it could be, but at the same time, if you're like, man, this is going to flop, you probably shouldn't be doing this movie, but hey, I'll be a good friend. He probably wouldn't have done that. Hard, hard to believe, and especially since we're talking about A New Hope, uh, the score that very, you know, two iconic Williams scores came out that same year, uh, close yeah. encounters and, you know, star Wars, a new hope and both, you know, are, are amazing. Right. So sorry. We can, we can start talking about a new hope. again. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's really not a whole lot to go into about the theme other than, I guess we've already pretty much touched on that, but you know, I, here is, here is something that, uh, and I think I think what I feel is missing overall from some of the newer Star Wars ones, even a lot of the Phantom Menace, I mean, a lot of the, the trilogy, the prequel tr- trilogy, is that I miss the idea of a new recording for the theme every movie. Right. Because they started, I forget where, it, it might have been for Phantom Menace, but they started just using the recording from Empire Strikes Back, right? 
uh, I thought I thought they had a new recording for Phantom Menace that they used for the next two. Mm, I don't know. I have to look at it. But but, okay. but e- either way, I mean, just, I could be wrong. They just stop. Re- they stop using. You know, they stop recording the theme. You know, for every movie, instead they just play one of the older versions and then tack on the new transition once the you know the crawl right. goes away. And and I think that's one of the things that makes everything so good. Is just, it's just even. Even with a perfect orchestra and a perfect, you know, conductor, it's just going to sound just a little bit different. Yeah, and and those differences are fantastic. You know, I I think that's why a new hope stands the test of time. Besides it being the first one, is it just you know, there's just little differences. You know, some yeah. some some themes were never used again. And to that point, too, it's like with The Force Awakens, we'll have a separate episode for that. But the opening theme there, the first note, it sounds a little bit different because it is a new recording. And especially when you know these movies so well, you know the first sounds so well. It starts with the 20th Century Fox music. Or it starts with THX, depending on what type of thing you're watching. But then the 20th Century Fox and then the, those first notes, you know them so well, so that when you hear that slight difference at the beginning of The Force Awakens, you know this is a new movie. Yeah, new. Uh, th- that was an entirely new uh, um, orchestra too. It was the Los yeah. Angeles, right? Yeah. Well, it was like uh, contract based. I thought, right? Oh, based out of out of L.A. L.A. Though. Right. Yeah, because that's where that's where magic happens now, baby. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I guess just the overall uh, taking the soundtrack from beginning to end, one thing I, I like to point out that's, I think, you kind of unique to the uh, A New Hope with the Star Wars soundtracks is that there is a progression uh, with, with the, the way the soundtrack goes throughout the movie. So, I mean, you know, of course, you have like some, some bigger moments when the uh, Imperials are there or something. And even so, there is a Vader theme in A New Hope. It obviously is not the Imperial March that we know now, but there is a theme associated with their Vader. It sounds to me kind of Tchaikovsky like. And um, it's can you hum also. It? Can, can you hum... Is it the one I'm thinking of? Probably. It's the one that's in Rogue One, too, when they show Vader in the back to tank. But, but the thing about it is that even that, you know, that's Darth Vader's theme, right? It's kind of subtle, and, like, you almost won't notice it when they show him unless you're... Or you won't remember it unless you're paying attention to it or to point it out, necessarily. So, but overall, uh, from the beginning, it starts... The, the soundtrack, to me, sounds very, like, lonely and quiet and very space-like. And it... With the exception of some Imperial parts, it kind of mirrors Luke's journey as it goes. Because it goes from like lonely, silent, on, on your own in space kind of sound, or on your own planet or whatnot, to it, it grows and you and you get more brass and, and more blaring all the way through as Luke comes into his own and, and enters this bigger galaxy, this war and everything. As his character wakens up, the music kind of does too, all the way up through the very end, where you have Luke has established himself as the character that he is. And now we have the throne room <laughs> to, to go along with that, which is like the most blaring and, and triumphant sounding of the tracks for A New Hope. So 
I just think it's kind of neat to point out how, how, to me, the the sound really mirrors Luke's journey through the episode. I can see that. And it also kind of really takes off, too, with the um, Death Star attack and that kind of stuff, where, where you really get the action going and so on. But uh, as far as, like, I mean, I know there are a couple of things we're going to point out specifically about it, but just uh, I kind of want to hand it over to you for a little bit, because regarding A New Hope, like, what types of thoughts do you have? Um, it, it is my... It's tough because at any given time, my list changes uh, <laughs> of what my favorite music is. Uh, and it usually depends on what I'm listening to at that moment. But, I, and I think we could go all the way back to score tracks for this. But I think I said even then that, that uh, Star Wars A New Hope was my favorite Star Wars soundtrack. Do, do you recall me saying that? Or am I, or am I just having a, uh, visions I think, because I just listened to it recently. I think I can remember that. And, and for me, the reason is that this this is the this is Genesis, so to speak. This is the you know this is the acorn. And so, while for some people the favorite themes may come later, right? I think this is the strongest album as a whole or soundtrack as a whole because he's starting from nothing right he doesn't have you know he's not empire and already had luke's theme force theme you know whatever to work with and just add a little thing here he's starting with nothing and so i think it's one of the one of the greatest instances of you know pure brilliance to come out just when you have nothing to go from you know yeah because audiences when they're watching this movie had it's so familiar to us. They had never heard something like binary sunset before. Right. And that's kind of hard for us to imagine now at this point, but can you imagine like your first time experiencing that in the theater, having no idea that it was coming? Well, and and there's, and there's so much, there's so much classic, you know, music that we know. um, And, and, you know, princess Leia's theme is introduced in this. Obviously, right. the the main titles are introduced in this. Um, you know, the Tie Fighter attack is introduced in this. Right. Ben Ben's theme. Well, didn't they? What's Ben's theme now called? I'm sorry. I no, I don't remember. I, they, I always know. Change, they always change everything yeah. as it goes further along. Force right. theme. You know, everything. Everything major is introduced in this. The only things that aren't really. <laughs> the only the only major components of what I would consider the prequel saga that's not introduced in the, or not prequel saga but the original trilogy is the Imperial March and maybe Yoda's theme Han and Leia's theme too uh okay yes but for everything everything else you know you, you you've got and you, oh you also have let's let's look at this you you got the the cantina music yeah which you know spawned tons of a you know star wars itself spawned disco music you know and and, (laughs) you you name it that that's one of the things that any you can play you can play the the cantina band music and people know what it is you can play you know the star wars main titles and people know what it is i i I just think it's a great it still holds up Um, oh yeah and and it's and it's the first one and and some people say well you know the later ones are it's perfected, but I just think that that how much he was able to accomplish starting from nothing in this one is is amazing. 
Yeah, because it's not like he just had one of these brilliant themes in a movie. But like you said, it's kind of stacked <laughs> as far as what we have in here. It's so iconic now and, and brilliant. And not only was he starting out of nothing, but it was a perfect groundwork for the fo- really the following nine films at this point. Oh yeah, because we're still they're still using stuff from from uh, the first film, obviously, and the rest. Yeah. But but like Tie Fighter Attack, that's been in two movies now, or three movies since uh, it was in New Hope. Three movies has it been three movies. Yeah, it was I in think Je- you had this debate. Yeah, it was in Jedi, Solo, and uh, uh, Last Jedi. And then mm, mm, hold on, yeah, yeah. And, and and the other that's the other thing that I was saying is that it honestly should just be that should be the Millennium Falcon theme in my opinion. Well, especially at this point. Yeah, because it's it's the part that you know they don't ever use it in anything else. Uh, it it really should be. That would have been that would have been awesome. You know, I was listening not that long ago to Force Awakens when you know the the Falcon escapes or whatever or, or they fly the first time right and and you really could have put you know the tie fighter attack in there obviously because they're being attacked by tie fighters and it would have been fantastic <laughs> i'm not you sure know, if, i'm not sure if john williams is a big fan of it though because it seems like it's like it against as well half the time yeah it seems like it was for last jedi and solo he didn't even do and uh return of the jedi it wasn't exactly in the DNA of that track to have it there. Well, in, in, it's questionable that he even did that track. Right. You know, there, there's, there's rumors flying that the superstructure chase, um, that whole sequence was pretty much just told to let's do a greatest hits and, and put it in. And somebody else took John Williams music and kind of patched it together. Right. So you never know, but it, but it feels like the main the main times that that he uses it after you know a new hope is not because he necessarily wants to, but it really would be a great you know Millennium Falcon theme since we don't have one. The well, hmm. I mean, I, I I do agree, especially at this point because of how often it's been used in that context. I, mean, I almost. Don't... Well, I almost hesitate to say this, but like, there's a part of me that almost wonders at some point, not everything needs a theme. So, like, I don't know if the Falcon necessarily needs a theme. This is associated with it, and that's fine, but I don't okay. know if it needs to be dedicated a theme for the Falcon. So, let me ask you a question, though. Do you think, do you think, in the scheme of things, who needs a theme more? Rose Tico, who has a theme, or the Falcon, which is pretty much a character? Well, okay. Well, I mean, I do get your point. At the same time, what else was new about the Last Jedi other than her theme? Not a whole lot. I mean, there so, was so they needed that. Well, sure, but but <laughs> you could have given me you could you could have fleshed out Finn's theme or given a uh you know a uh. I love that pose theme as a track. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, like it is a thing, but it's just not. I would say it's not equally recognized as as the others. It's it's more pieces here and there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
So I do. I guess I can go ahead. One other thing that I, I did want to make sure to mention for this was the track that that's used for the uh, the burning homestead part of A New Hope. Of course, when Luke shows up and the stormtroopers were there, it didn't turn out so well for Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Um, the music that's going on there is it, really just a, a variation of uh, Luke's theme, the Force theme, however you want to put it. It's it's got a little bit more gravity to it based off of what the uh, the strings and such are doing at that point. But what's really cool is that in A New Hope, when they play that music, that's the the part where the character of Luke kind of does a 180. Before that point, he's trying to get back home. He doesn't want to go with Obi Wan. He's not starting this adventure, and it's not going to happen. And then this moment happens, and that's just kind of where Luke's journey starts. His journey with this whole Jedi thing, with exploring the galaxy, and, and just getting off of this planet and, and this kind of rut that he was in. It all starts at that moment with this music. And it's pretty neat because with The Force Awakens, J.J. Uh, Abrams decided to include that music. Of course, in that scene when, when Rey gets the lightsaber instead of Kylo on the forest planet, that, that battle. Um, originally, and Mark, I know you had mentioned this, I think even in a different episode, uh, but there was different music for that, that scene and that part of the movie. And then based off from our understanding, based off of JJ's decision, he incorporated, uh, the music from Force or, uh, New Hope to be played at that part. Now, I don't know if it was because of this reason that I'm going to give, or if he just thought it, it flowed better. I don't know why. But I love it because it's the same moment for Rey at that point as what Luke had, where at that point where she kind of used the force and grabbed the lightsaber and turned it on and faced Kylo and all that, that's her same moment of she's committing to this now. She's going to start her journey of this whole Jedi thing and exploring the force, exploring the galaxy and not going back to the life she had before. She was committed to going back to Jakku. And then that's not the case anymore, just like Luke was going to go back home. So I like how that music is is like the, the pivot moment of our main characters in these trilogies and where they set on their journeys. Is that your favorite track? Well, I mean, track overall, no. It's probably my favorite um, uh, musical moment paired with the story other than the beginning and the end. Because, you know, Throne Room and Finale, I mean, who doesn't have that in, in opening titles as a favorite? But um, as a track overall... Um, it might be TIE Fighter Attack might be my favorite. I am a big fan of that. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. Uh, I feel I feel overall with the original trilogy, TIE Fighter Attack and Asteroid Field are the two yeah. underrated music or pieces of music to come from the original trilogy. And and I think that's why because uh, those those tracks are combined in solo, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's why that what's the name of that track? Reminiscence therapy. Right. I think that's why that track works so well is because it, it really would, you know, both those tracks could, could easily be Falcon themes. Yeah. And, and, and so you basically get, you know, a combo with some, with some extra percussion. And it's, it's really just about everything you need when, when the Falcon's escaping. But and, yeah, the TIE Fighter attack, just for pure, like, fun. Uh, that's that's probably mine. 
Yeah, no, it, it's so good. And, and I also do love how, I love each iteration of it. Well, I, I'll overlook Jedi for this, but the original I love because it, it's, I mean, it's the original. It, it's the TIE Fighter attack. I love how it's used in The Last Jedi because it still has, it, it's still the John Williams sound. It's just current and modern and a little bit updated. But I also love the solo version of it because it, isn't that john williams sound it is very much the john powell take it is for sure like we were mentioning before how composers are hired for their sound not just what they can do but also how they can make their sound john powell's sound is asserted with uh, a tie fighter attack in solo and i love his sound if anybody knows anything about like how to train your dragons or the music for that or anything he's great um so what John Powell does or does with Tie Fighter Attack, I love because it's still the awesome music, but it's his great sound with it at the same time. And I'm sure we'll discuss that more when we talk about Solo. And I'm going to revert back to what we're supposed to be talking about, which is A New Hope. But here yeah, but we see, are. since since A New Hope influences everything, yeah, you, you, you yeah. kind of tend to talk about other it's things. the baseline, right? I mean, we could we could talk about how how you know Giacchino took a lot of the underused cues that only ever appear in a new hope like Vader's and, original theme. Right. And, and you know, the, the death star sort of done, yeah. done, done whatever the, you know, he, which he is sort also of, reminiscence therapy's beginning. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so all, <laughs> all, all these sort of, you know, things that kind of, kind of were just left. Somebody put it up in the cupboard and okay, I'm not going to use that ever again. Kind of, kind of like, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Williams, Williams, uh, music for the droids and Empire Strikes Back. He had it, uh, never, never used it again. But it's nice to see the these iconic cues kind of trotted out again. Uh, yeah. That that they've made an impact on people like Powell and people like Giacchino to where when they have to do music that's sort of in that vein or or is in that time frame that they're like, well, let's use that. Right. Because it's not the it's not the same thing you hear every day, right? You know, it's not the greatest hits. It's the deep cuts from from uh, from a New Hope score, and, and it's good to hear that. And because it's just as much a part of the DNA of this Star Wars music as the more popular ones are. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because because we all know it. Yeah. You know, it, it may not be the concert suite or it may not be the, the one you listen to the most, but but when it when you hear it, you know it. You know where it's from. You know what part of the movie it, it's in. And and that's one of the great things, probably for a new hope, you know, more than any other film for me. Like when I listen to the soundtrack, I know where everything goes. I, I do it, you know, obviously when you're listening, you you know what this scene is and that scene is when you hear it. But A New Hope, more than anything, probably because it's one of the ones I've listened to the most in my life, you just know that, okay, so this is, this cue's coming because this is happening, and it's just, it feels really comfortable, you know? Yeah. You know, especially, like, I was talking to, I was tweeting, uh, I'm not talking to anybody, because no one really cares what I tweet about, but, uh, (laughs) you you know, I was was just sitting sitting on my carpet uh, when I got home from work and listening to... uh, um, the new hope soundtrack. And, you know, for me at night, I have a hard time sleeping. Uh, so I have, um, uh, like a combination of different sounds, but mostly it, it's white noise. Cause I, I, I have, I have tinnitus. So it, there's constantly ringing in my ears. It's really hard for me to sleep otherwise. 
but that there's a there's a hiss you know they, they call it tape mm. hiss uh from older from older um music that you know we just don't have it now the last jedi doesn't have tape hiss in it unless they add it right but this is natural and it's just this really you know white noise sound in the background it's just comforting you know while you listen to this it's it's just very much a product of its time and and, and it's so it's so perfect I, I I love the album. I love the score. I love the film. It, it probably is my favorite um, Star Wars film as well, just because it's so perfect as it is. But uh, yeah, I, I love it. So if there's, uh, I, I guess, one track, if you could send somebody who who's obviously familiar with the, the highlights of this score, um, if you want to give them homework, it'd be like one track to, to listen to and just kind of rediscover it a little bit better from, from a not highlight standpoint, what would you recommend for somebody to, to look up on YouTube? You know, it, de- it depends on, but see again, it, it depends on what, what they're, which album they listen to, like which version of it. I, yeah. I, I think, I think listening obviously to the final battle is fantastic. Right. Um, and Ben's death is, is really good. Mm-hmm. That that whole because that whole section starts with them, you, you know, running in, you know, escaping from the trash compactor and, and swinging over the chasm, and then and then depending on you know which version, but it obviously has been, um, you know, letting giving himself to the force or whatnot. Those those are the ones that I would really just suggest people take a listen to. And the other thing I, I would suggest is don't listen to it while you're doing something. Oh don't, yeah. Don't listen to it while you're going to work. Don't listen to it while you're doing yard work, you know, put, put in, you know, if you have some nice earbuds or whatever, put those in. If you have nice headphones, whatever, if you have a great sounding, you know, sound system, uh, put it on there, but don't be doing anything. Just you, you miss so much. Yeah. Just sit and listen. Because it's not often we get to do that, and I didn't get, I haven't got to do it, you know, for a long time until today. Because music for me is very much, you know, the soundtrack for what I'm doing. You know, am I am I in the car driving, listening to music? Am I walking my dog? I'm listening to music. Am I in a, you know, it's always when I'm doing something else. It's rare that mm-hmm. we just sit down, don't have your phone, and just listen to the music, and I guarantee you it's going to be a whole other level because you'll experience it it won't be sound yes yes and we used to do that you know i don't i don't know about this younger generation (laughs) but in the older generation we just used to turn off the tv and listen to music yeah and it's good it's good to do that now and then and it's also very oh yeah it's also very comforting you know it's it's almost it's almost like meditation relaxation you're just Ah, a way of unwinding, you know. Obviously, it depends on what you're absolutely. listening to. But well, <laughs> well, absolutely, but but if it's something that, uh, I mean, sound, any type of sound can influence your demeanor, your mood, and so on. Um, especially if it's something like music, and especially if it's music that is so well done and means something to you, and, and it's just. It can absolutely make a difference there. And, you know, some people, I do feel like some people experience it differently. Just like 
you know, two people can look at the same painting and get entirely different things out of it because it means something to one person and not the other. Because that's what art is. And music is art. So not everybody's going to get the same experience out of the same thing. But like Mark said, I feel pretty confident that if you just, if you take the time to sit down and experience a John Williams Star Wars soundtrack, especially right now with The New Hope, you'll either, you'll gain a new appreciation for it that you haven't had, either brand new or that or a re-understanding of it that you haven't had in a long time. Or yeah, you'll just have a great experience. Because here's the thing, you know, especially especially when you're watching it on television, you know, maybe, maybe you're used to seeing it on, on uh, videotape and then it goes in a DVD or Laserdisc and now you're watching it streaming and, you know, you're, you're watching it and there's a person over here talking and there's a person over there talking and, or your phone, you know, or anything. But when I sat down and listened to it today, I, there's so much I forgot or maybe I never knew, you know, because I'm like, what's that instrument? I don't remember ever hearing that. Right. Because it's, it's back there behind the other instrument. You know, it's not mm-hmm. in the foreground. It's, it's like, where, is that a harp? I don't remember a harp ever being in this. In this. And, right. then, and then you start paying attention to the harp because you might not have ever heard the harp when you're watching it on TV. Right. You know, because visually you're looking at something else or like I said, there's somebody over there. And, and so that, that would actually be my only suggestion. I don't care what track you listen to. If you have the time to sit there for three minutes and just devote yourself to listening to the music and doing nothing else, no outside distractions, I think that's the best thing that you could do. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. And if you do, let us know. Oh, yeah. And and, and like you said, too, it doesn't have to. If it's a highlight track, awesome, but it doesn't have to be. And another track or sound that we haven't really mentioned yet, I want to throw in real quick is like there, there's music with the Jawas and there's music with the Tuscan Raiders too. And they, it's kind of like a theme for that too. Like, like if you imagine when the Tuscan Raiders are jumping on the Banthas and you have that, all all those like percussive instruments going. Oh yeah. That's super cool. (laughs) And, uh, like you mentioned, that's kind of a up on the shelf type of track now, but it's so neat. Yeah, the the little people work, uh, or or the entire tattoo music. Yeah, um, from from you know, New Hope is fantastic. All right, uh, <laughs> trying to think. I, I guess I mean, as far as the just the, the main things I really wanted to bring up about that, I think I'm good. Um, I do want to double down and support what she had said about taking the, the, a little bit of time to listen to it just because there, there, there's nothing quite like it, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. But even if you're not, if you're just a fan of music or, or just appreciating art, you know, that this is such a huge influence on the world of art in, in its time, in all of its aspects. The movie is, the music is. You can argue, maybe I don't know about the literature. I don't know if that would count or not. But you know, the very the the con, like Ralph McQuarrie, like, like all the aspects of it. This this is art in so many ways, and it's just every once in a while, it's good to appreciate the music part of it too. Oh, absolutely. And if you're anything like me, uh, which maybe you're not, you're probably not. But hey, uh, this will start your, your appreciation over soundtrack music overall if you give this the time and the time and the energy that i'm gonna cut that part out because it's stupid to say energy 
<laughs> if you're willing to, uh, you know, give this the time and listen to it and appreciate it, take in the experience, that will lend itself over pretty well to some other great stuff that's out there. I will be perfectly honest. You know I'm a big fan of soundtracks. Not everyone is a winner. There are some out there that I specifically dislike and will picket fence in a campaign against. Oh, but, like what? <laughs> well, I mean, this isn't a great example, but like the uh, Gone Girl, I was very much not a fan of that at all. Trent Reznor? Yeah, and Atticus Ross. Oh, I didn't listen to it. Good. Um, it, uh, it doesn't qualify as a soundtrack. Anyway, uh, so, but there's, there's some that are so good. And like I said, any, any, whenever you listen to other stuff, you don't have to sit down track one to track you know, 15 or however many there are. Just listen to the entire thing. You don't have to do that. But if you can, again, appreciate and experience something like Star Wars that obviously means so much to us if we're listening to this podcast, that'll transition well to other stuff. I mentioned earlier How to Train Your Dragon. That theme by John Powell is really good and the uh, numerous things by these legendary composer, uh, composers brian tyler michael giacchino alan silvestri danny elfman uh james horner and i can go on for a while james newton howard there's so many good ones out there and if you like old style music and by old style i mean like classical genuine classical compositions you really need to take some time and, and just listen to maleficent by James Newton Howard. Especially, I think the Sweet, Maleficent Sweet or something like that. They just announced like, a sequel too. Yeah, but but if you like the classic sound, you have to listen to that if you have it. And that's the same type of thing. If you're doing other things, while you're listening to it, you'll be like, oh, that's cool. But you won't appreciate the nuances and the parts of it that are quiet and lower. So you just take a moment to appreciate it and uh, I think you'll be happy. I, I just solved happiness in the world <laughs> the, the lack of happiness it's all about listening to this music peace and prosperity reign throughout the kingdom i feel like i need to salute or something now we could put like we could put you know america the beautiful behind or some sort of patriotic music because you know you just uh, you could do patent patents march from from uh, goldsmith or you know or john philip sousa but sure there you go and, and for the people who have made it this far and are, and are wondering where Where's the resistance? Oh. <laughs> I I meant to mention that at the beginning. I had every intention of doing that, and I have dropped the ball. So we might possibly have a really good guest next week, yes. um, who will be spending the time talking about part one and part two of the season finale. So we're gonna hold off on discussing uh, the part one part one. Uh, right. to see if when that person comes on, you know, or hopefully if that person comes on, we can talk about both. And, yes. and uh, you know, the first season of Resistance as a whole. Right. And maybe even how it plays into the broader <laughs> scheme of Star Wars animation right now. Yeah, so, what, what we hope to see from season two uh, or, you know, really just about anything. Yeah. This, per- this person is well equipped to talk about resistance so. and yeah and trust me if you have any questions that you would like to give for resistance in, in this show or the finale or anything you're gonna want to give them out if, if this is our guest next week you're gonna want these questions for the show so so please send those in it's not we disappointed it's not well, no, no. <laughs> if you guys are thinking we got somebody who's like you know involved in making the show uh, never mind we don't 
uh, yeah no i mean you're right but <laughs> we got uh, the next best thing pretty much so um anyway send those in it'll be, it'll be good it'll be fun you know how to contact us and if you don't let me know and i'll tell you it's pretty easy i'm good at <laughs> well, branding. How, do I, how do i contact you then if i don't know how to contact you tim google it all right just go to just, <laughs> just, just go to making just go to the podcast webpage or not webpage just go to podcast twitter and send a dm and one of us will see it i mean you can do that or if you wanted to you started it now mark i have to do the whole thing or if you wanted to you can also go to podcast287.com and there's a contact form there and there's yeah. also like an email you can use and that email by the way is contact at podcast287.com what was that tim that's contact at podcast2187.com. Excellent. 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 But let's just say that, that you really you aren't the emailing type. And you're like, you know, I prefer emails, but shorter. That's called SMS or texting. You can do that. And you do it by sending a message to 346-800-2187. But you know what else I'll say about that, though? There are some people, they just like an old-fashioned conversation. They just want to talk to you and use their voice and have the right inflections and not just leave it to a text, which is up to the interpretation of the reader. Well, let me give you Tim's phone number. Yeah, my, my direct phone number is 346-800-2187. That's not your direct phone number, Tim. That's a podcast 287 number. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> um. <laughs> And then we have Twitter and Instagram, which is at Podcast2187. Yes. And, and if you want to send if us... Following us on, on, if you're not following us on uh, Twitter, why? Why? Like, what are you even doing? I'm trying to put cool stuff on there, and no one ever gives a crap, so, uh, you know. It is cool stuff. You're right. Yeah, so you people suck. And, and, and if you want to send us an actual piece of physical mail, send it to... <laughs> really? 2187 Podcast Street <laughs> in whatever your hometown is, and I guarantee you it will not get to us. Podcast Street! <laughs> so, okay. Well, there you go. That, that's all our contact information. It's pretty straightforward, as I'm sure you can tell. No theme in how we designed our contacts. It's just coincidence that it all happened to involve the same stuff. That's right. Uh, I know. Uh, so, uh, tune in next week again. We'll have a great guest. We'll be doing resistance awesomeness. And, uh, we may, yeah, we may not get to Empire Strikes Back next week, depending on the, the amount of resistance awesomeness that Tim has planned. Like, I'm pretty sure we won't get to it next week. Yeah. But, uh, it'll be coming up, though. So, all right. Well, bye. Good job. Good night. Good job, Mark. Hey, good job. I want you to know, I want you to know that I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you, too. Hey, hey, that means so much. No, don't. Bye.